Hey, good morning, Faith Life Church. So great to be in your houses again. And hey, to today's Father's Day. So we want to extend our greatest greetings that we have today to every single dad in the house. We want to say we appreciate you, we love you, we honor you. As a part of our team, the eldership team and all of our team leaders, we just want to say thank you. Thank you for the way that you love your children. Thank you for the way that you love your wives. Thank you for the way that you honor God and represent God in the family. So I just want to Thank you. Uh, we did have a present for you. We sh you should have received it yesterday, but uh, part of the present we got, but then we realized that it was the wrong thing, so we had to send it back. And the other half is stuck in a warehouse somewhere. So we are praying that you will come this week. And so, hey, keep an eye out. So you should be receiving a present this week. Hey, God bless you. We're going to be continuing today on what we started last week. I still dare to hope. We found out from last week, just a little bit of a recap for you this morning, is we found out last week the word where we, can, we got this scripture. It comes out of the book of Lamentations. And Lamentations is an amazing book because it, it picks up words from Job. It picks up the words from Jeremiah. It picks up the words from Psalms. It's all about people that have lost things, people that are in grief, people that had one sort of lifestyle. Now they haven't got another lifestyle. So it, what Lament, the book of Lamentation does, it identifies every human emotion, whether it's a loss, whether it's a grieving, whether it's financial, whether it's physical, whether it's visionary, whatever state that you find yourself stuck in or that you are suffering from, the book of Lamentation brings it to the forefront and says, this, is your, this could be your present reality. But in the middle of it, there is hope. The word Lamentation, the book is written on how to get out of where you are. So the, we realized last week, the book of Lamentation is the word how. How you move from being sin-ridden to being righteousness-based. How you go from being sick to being healed. So it's the book on about how. And we realize this in chapter 3 and verses 21 to 24. I'll read it to you and then we're just going to explode in this. It says in verse 21, Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I hope in him. Wow, that, that is absolutely amazing. Now, what, to just to build some foundation, put this away in your spirit. And every time now, pick up the Bible, listen to a song. I want you to remember this. When we're talking about the Word of God, God's Word is spoken, but it keeps speaking. The Word of God is spoken, but it keeps speaking. So the Word of God does not have a use-by date. The Word of God is not just a once but it's meant to be a continuum. In Isaiah 55 verse 11 it says, So shall my Word 
that goes out of my mouth, it shall not return to me empty. So when we read the scripture, the scripture is still speaking. It's not a dead word. It's not a commentary. It's not something just, oh, look, somebody wrote something down there. But what we are reading today, what you have heard today is still speaking. It is still alive. As well as what we find, the blood of Abel still speaks. And if the blood of Abel is still speaking today, how much more does the word of God? So when we see this, when I, what, what excites my spirit is that God is speaking to me. God is speaking to you. God is speaking in your situation. And he says, I still dare to believe. Therefore, it means that there is a hope that goes beyond every other circumstance. That means it looks ridiculous, it looks hopeless, but you still dare to get up every morning. You still dare to look at the situation and I go, there is hope. What we learned last week, just a bit of a recap, but take it to another level. He says, I still dare to hope. Now, hope is not a wishful thinking. It is not positive thinking. What we learned that Hope is not about the future, but in the present tense. So therefore, if you want to know if you have hope, if you're thinking that one day things will get better, that is not hope. If you're thinking, oh, that worked yesterday, that is not hope. Hope is not something in the future. Hope is so decisive that it speaks to you now in your lounge room, in your car, whatever situation you are right now. God's saying what you're hearing, you can experience now. The Bible talks about this hope and what we realize that the word hope comes from the word pooling. It means to gather together as in Genesis that God collected the waters. So when we say the word hope, we are talking about every promise that God has ever made. We're talking about every experience a person is written down on is still alive today. We are talking about that every single word of God is represented in the word hope. So what hope doesn't do, hope doesn't just take one promise out of the word of God and says, you cannot have any other one except this. So when, the, when he said, I say, I dare to believe, do you know what it's saying to you? It's saying that I dare to believe that the full fathom of the word of God is accessible to me now. So the word of God says every promise, over 8,000 promises are all in the word of God. There are so many people with so many breakthroughs in the word of God and they're speaking. And I'm, so to me, the exciting thing is this, you will see as we continue, is when you get God's hope, you will start to speak it. You can find out when you have no hope, it causes you to speak, but God's hope causes that there is this influx of power that goes inside of you that needs an outlet. And what you will find is when God gives you hope, it gives you an outlet and the outlet is your mouth. So when we're talking about hope, we're talking about everything. Second thing we need to understand about hope is this. Hope is not a merit-based system. So when God gives you hope, so hope comes from God. If you read the Psalms, you will notice that the Psalm is always directed that the reason I am confident is because my hope 
came from God and because it comes from God, it is solid, it is decisive, it has already made up its mind. That means that I stand in pure confidence. So faith comes out of hope. Faith is a substance of things hoped for. So hope is not merit-based. It doesn't depend on you. It depends on God. So when you find a person of hope, which we're going to learn more today, is that they're not talking about themselves. They're not talking about what they can do. That means this, that hope comes to people that don't deserve it. Hope comes to people that earn it. And understand something. You cannot earn the hope of God. You can't earn so you can, you can have hope. It's not a merit-based system. So therefore, it means whatever situation you is in, in, hope doesn't come and ask you questions about your past. The hope doesn't come up and says, hey, you can't do this. You can't do that because you haven't prayed enough. You haven't done enough. You haven't sung enough. You haven't given enough. So hope is not a merit-based system. So God initiates the hope so that he can remove you out of the situation that is depressing you, that is confining you, that is limiting you, that is causing a physical pain, mental pain, whatever it is. Hope comes in and he says, the answer is here for you. The power is here for you. It, it, it is just amazing. And understand this, the Bible also talks about when you have hope in the promises of God, that every promise in God has the power to fulfill itself in your life. Now, come on, how good is that? So when we start talking about hope, it is God's base. So therefore, the psalmist, who, whoever wrote the psalms, got a couple of different authors, all knew this, is the reason I am like this is because I hope. And then we also learn about this word, remember. It says, I dare to hope when I remember. So therefore, the entrance to this hope, the entrance to this amazing, over-the-top hope came in when he remembered. So you have this person that's writing this. He says, I am sitting and I look out my window. There are beggars that used to be rich. There are people that used to be healthy, but now they are sick. There are people that have had relationships, but now don't have relationships. People that used to have children have no more families. So he says, I am living in this. I am tuning into this. What was really interesting, uh, I had a chat with my mechanic and he, and he made these amazing words. He said this to me. He goes, I've had to switch the radio off because there's just so much bad news, bad news, bad news. I had to switch it off. So in the workshop, they switched the they switched the radio off because everything was bad, bad, bad. So this person who wrote the book of Lamentations, some scholars believe it was Jeremiah uh, kind of leaning towards that. But he, he comes up, the, the, when I remembered it opened the door. What we learned last week, the word remember, when we take it into the kingdom concept, that means the Bible tells us what to remember. The word remember is to act. So when you realize, when we start to use this word, that God said, and he remembered Noah, and he dried up the thing. So God doesn't forget. He says, God says, when I remember, the word remember, it means that every part of you is set in one direction to what you're thinking of. So outside of the kingdom to remember is to remember some facts, 
to remember your birthday, to remember your anniversary, to remember you got an appointment, to remember you got to get some shopping, to remember an image. But in the kingdom, it talks about when I think about it, that's the direction I am going and I am going to act. So the word remember is not a static word. It's not a word that you can say remember and still be in a seated position. It is the action of God. So what we find the word when God says, I remember, it means I am using everything in my resource and I'm pointing it at you. Just let that sink into your spirit. When God says, when he remembered Noah, he went in, changed the situation. Then we, we learned from last week, Rachel. Rachel couldn't bear children. And God says, and I remembered Rachel. And what happened? She got pregnant. So God didn't say, oh, I remember you know, Rachel. Here she is. She, she can't have kids. Oh, well, that, that's so bad. Come on. Let's just give a bit of love to her. No, no. It says he remembered. And what did he do? Everything about him honed in on Rachel. And Rachel had a miracle because he remembered. So what we learned there is the word remember. And we also learned. So remember this now, got to get this into your thinking because now you're getting your thinking regenerated. You are becoming more like God. You're starting to think the kingdom. So now when we use the word remember, it means to act. So the reason you and I have confidence when, when Jesus said, when the Father said, I will remember your sins no more. What he was saying to you in the context of the kingdom culture is this, that I will never ever act on what you have done. Everything that you've done wrong, everything that you have tried to hide. I, I just want to show you the power of the forgiveness of God is amazing. The word in the forgiveness, when you look at it through the context from Genesis to Revelation, is this, that when you ask God to forgive you, He even forgives you all the hidden stuff that you forget to tell Him about. So sometimes what we think is we, 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 we dice it down to our normal thinking is this, God only forgives me what I have just said. But God says this, when you say, God, forgive me, I go into every secret compartment that is in you, every secret compartment that is outside of you, and I forgive that. That is why if you are 99 years old today and you hear this message and you go, Pastor Ted, I want to get saved. Here's the good news. You don't have to remember 99 years of sin. If you did that, hey, you are in really deep trouble. Hey, seriously in deep trouble. But God God says, and you're going to see this right at the end, that when you give your life to God, when you take your sin to God, God forgives you everything, even the hidden things. That is why that we can have confidence. So what you find, why does this man who writes Jeremiah becomes so confident because he remembers that God acts. He remembers that God acts. He remembers that hope is not a merit-based system. He, he knows that. And so what we find is in the word remember, when God remembers, he acts. Just let me just give you some, give you some foundations. I want you to go away from today's message. Listen to it over and over again and build a foundation in your thinking. Regenerate your thinking. Regenerate your speech. Regenerate how you see God. Regenerate the beauty the awesomeness, the power of the fire of the Holy Spirit inside of you. So when we start talking about the word remember, it is powerful. Now, so what we find, this is what God acts on, what God remembers. 
If you have a look at uh, Genesis 9.15, it says, I will remember my covenant between me and you and all living creatures of mankind. Never again will the waters become a flood to destroy your life. It's talking about the waters of Noah. So it's talking about that every time that I see a rainbow, I remember my covenant. So I am a covenant remembering God. In other words, that what I have promised that I will perform. What I have promised, I will perform. Now, hey, look at Exodus 2.24. And God heard their groanings, and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. Did you do this? So, so the children of Israel did not get rescued by God because they were good enough. They didn't get rescued by God because they had enough point system for salvation. God says, I heard their groanings, but I remembered that I am acting on the covenant I made with Abraham. I am acting on the covenant I made with Isaac. I am acting on the covenant that I made with Jacob. So he's a covenant remembering God. Look at Leviticus 26, and you have verses 42 to 46. You have a read of it in your time. But verse 42 says this, I will remember my covenant with Jacob, and my covenant with Isaac, and my covenant with Abraham, and I will remember the land. And so God says this, is that I, the reason I am acting is because I remembered. So when God says, I remember something, he says, I am taking affirmative, decisive, all-powerful, no-limitation power to keep the word that I gave you. So when God says, I remember, it means that God is acting. So you find that it gets even better. You, so God starts to do this. Now, how do I put this into this? Now, I want to show you the aspects of when men and women understand this word, remember, miracles happen. Now, remember what we were saying is that we came and we said this, that he remembered and therefore he had hope. So when you start to think about remembrance, it is powerful. Now, let me just go back to Lamentations 3. And he says, remember this. Now, okay, so I want you to get this. I still dare to hope when I remember this. So there was a certain part of the covenant of God on what God has said. So what you have is this person. He is lamenting. He is there. And his miracle happens. Understand, this is the beginning of his miracle. He remembers that God acts. He remembers. So his hope, hope comes in there and reminds him. You're thinking that you are alone. You're thinking that God has forgotten you. You're thinking that it's past. You're thinking that your use by that is going on. You're thinking that you're too old. You're thinking that you're not educated enough. You're thinking that you haven't got enough money. You're thinking that you haven't got the right education. You're thinking you're in the wrong suburb, that you're in the wrong country. But it says this, when I dare to hope, I dare to stand up in the midst when everybody's sitting down there. I, I dare to stand up when everything is going wrong, say, but everything will go right with me. So he says, this is what I remembered. Now, look at this. The things that he remembers is this. Verse 22, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. Just think of this. His miracle happens because he understands that when God made a covenant to love him, it has so much momentum it doesn't end. 
So therefore, the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Do you realize that that's a covenant language? And God says this, I love you. And the love that I have for you will never end. Whether you accept it, whether you do things to oppose it, whether you try to limit it, it is always going to be there. So he says his love never ends. Then he says this, and his mercies never cease. So the mercy of the Lord is compassion projected to save you. Mercy is not empathy. Mercy is not Oh, okay, I understand that you're struggling. I understand that I've been there. Mercy says this. I see your plight. I am coming to rescue you. And then get this, get a load of this. It never stops. The momentum, when God says a word, remember the comment that I made in the beginning? God has spoken, but keeps speaking. So God has spoken. I love you. But guess what? I love you, love you, love you, love you. It just keeps going on, keeps going on. God says, He's mercy, 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 mercy. Do you realize that right now, if you shut off all the voices, shut off everything and listen to your spirit, you will hear this loud, audible, exploding, magnificent, musical, Voice that says, I love you, 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 love I have mercy, 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 mercy. So it never ends. It says, great is this faithfulness. His mercy begins afresh every morning. I always wondered why it always said it begins every morning. Because, you know, so many times people believe that I've exhausted the love of God. I've done too many things wrong. I keep doing the same thing over and over again. Yeah, I failed again today. Some people think that God looks at us, puts his hand up and says, I'm done with you. Oh, man, you are beyond help. You, your habit is so entrenched that it can't be stopped. So God doesn't go, you're a lost cause. You know how sometimes when you're trying to fix something and you've tried everything and then you just go, that's it. Throw it in the bin. But God says this, I'm never going to give up pushing towards you. I am never going to go up my love towards you. I'm never going to do it. I'm never going to do it. I'm never going to do it. So God says every morning, you need to be thinking fresh. Here's the key for you. Every morning, you set aside and you get up without a past. You get up every single morning and go... I am starting afresh today. Yesterday, I might have made some mistakes. Yesterday, I might have not done what I should have done. Yesterday, I missed opportunities. Yesterday, I could have helped somebody, but I didn't. Yesterday, I could have gave encouragement, but I didn't. But God says, I want you to start every single day afresh. See, that is called transformational kingdom advancement. Therefore, it means this, that every morning I don't look back, I look straight because hope is a now thing. Hope is a now thing. So he says this, every now, from now on, I'm going to get up every morning and go, the word of the Lord is still true in my spirit. I have not exhausted the love of God. I have not exhausted the healing power of God. You, you know, see, the most people, sometimes what we think is that if I gave you a hundred dollars, 
and you used up 10. You get up the following morning, now I've only got 90, and you keep going on and on. But this is the amazing thing is with God. When God gives you something, it never depreciates, it never reduces, it never loses its power. So that is why I am so confident in the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus will never, ever lose its power. I remember growing up, there used to be this song. It says, oh, the blood of Jesus, oh, the blood of Jesus. It will never lose its power. And when you start to see this, every morning you get up. And then then he goes to this in verse 24. And here's the key. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance, therefore I will hope in him. I want you to notice this. When the hope that is from God, not from a merit-based system, comes to you, it cannot remain silent. It is now. So what happens is this. Now watch carefully. That when God gives me hope, it goes inside of me. But then I open my mouth and I come into agreement with this hope. And when I come into agreement, miracles happen. The Word of God says, if two or three of you shall agree on anything, it shall be done. But let's take this up to another level. You might not have another person to agree with you. You you could be in a home right now where you're the only believer and no one agrees with you. You get up and you try to say, hey, things are going to get better. I don't agree with you. Hey, no one agrees with you. But here's the key. If you are in a solitary place, there is not another encouraging person around you. No one is SMSing you. No one's emailing you. No one's Instagramming you. No one's Twittering you. No one is doing whatever phone that you have. No one is encouraging you. Do you know what you do? Let the word of God come next to you and you agree. So what happens is this. is when you agree, you come into the power of agreement. And when you agree with this hope, and how do you agree? I say to myself, you speak it, you speak it, you speak it. So what you have is hope comes out of God into you and it starts to bubble. And and, and this hope doesn't... It, it doesn't drop its heat, its volume. It increases its volume. And he says, let it, let it speak. That's why he says, let the poor say, I am rich. Let the sick say, I am healed. So what it's saying, hope comes into agreement with you. So while the hope is in there, it's great. Listen to me carefully. While the hope is inside you, it is amazing. Praise God. Hey, more power to you. But the hope that you have in you is talking to you. It's working with you. And it's saying, I, 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 I need to, you need to experience this. See, Christianity, in, in most circles, it's all about knowledge. But hope is all about experiencing the knowledge. So what happens is this, is that when hope comes to you, it doesn't give you a good information that gives you a 20-second buzz. But what hope does, hope comes inside you and says, now you can live this, now you can eat this, now you can drive this, now you can experience this. So hope gives you the experience of what's come inside of you. And he says, this hope was so amazing, the love of God was speaking to him that never ceases. His faithfulness was speaking to me. His mercies were speaking to me. And what I did, this guy says, come up. This is the how. He goes like this. Now, speak it. 
And when you speak it, you create it. So what's inside of you is going to create an environment for you to live in. So divine hope. Hope that doesn't come from a merit-based system. Hope that doesn't come from the atmosphere around you. Hope that doesn't come from the crowd that you are with. But hope that comes from God himself comes into you and it says, voice it. That is why I don't believe in a silent church. I don't believe in a silent relationship. I don't believe that two people can have a relationship without the noise. God speaks. God is a speaking God. God is a thinking God. God is a creative God. God is a loving God. Because the reason He creates, because He is a creator. The reason He speaks, because He's a speaking God. The reason He loves, because He is a loving God. So what you have, it starts to speak and it starts to change. Now, watch this. We're just going to go through the Old Testament, then we're going to go in the New Testament. It says this. Now, look at Job. In Job 14, verses 13, it says this. If only you would hide me in the grave and conceal me till your anger is past. If only you would set a time and then remember me. Which is, here's Job, in the middle of it, he asked God, remember me. When you read the end of Job, God restores to him more than he could have ever earned. So what Job cries out, God, remember me, God acts. So Job wasn't silent. Job came in in the middle of his misery and he says, God, remember me. So going back to what you have learned this morning and last week, when you say, God, remember me, you're doing this. God, act on my behalf according to the loving kindness that is in you. So you're asking God to act. Hey, let's talk about Samson. Look at Judges. Now, just before I read this, Samson, uh, Samson, do you realize that Samson had, even if he was a merit-based system, he could have never got it. He broke everything that he could break. Samson went out of his way to destroy his life. He went out of his way to destroy his reputation. He went out of his way. This guy worked to go opposite from God. God wanted to bless him. So we're talking to a man. We're talking about a man that had no merit points. He did not deserve a breakthrough. Everything he did, he broke some of God's commandments. But listen to this. So Samson loses everything, loses reputation, loses the whole lot, loses his eyesight. And he prays this in Judges 16, 28. Then Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, Remember me. Please, God, strengthen me just once more and let me, with one blow, get revenge on the field sides for my two eyes. Just, just get a load of this. Because of the hope that he has, he is not going to the Father on the basis of what he can do. He's not going on the basis of saying, excuse me, God, um, I promise to do this, this, and this. If you do this to me, there's no bargaining. He goes and he's got this boldness. Now, to, to me, I love this. That here's this guy. He's done everything that he could to tick God off. He's done everything that to destroy his influence, right? And he says this. He comes out with this boldness, courageous act. And he goes, Father, remember me. And in one act, let me do what takes a lifetime. Come on. 
You might be sitting there, you think you've blown it. You might be thinking that it's all washed up. He says, God, with one blow, just one event, give me what would take a whole lifetime to do. And guess what? He did. God acted on his behalf. A guy that doesn't deserve it, he does it. So just get a load of this. So he doesn't barter with God. What he does is this. He goes, God, remember me. God, act on my behalf. Let's look at Hannah in the Bible. She was barren. She was childless. And in 1 Samuel 1.11, And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you look on your maidservants in misery and Remember me and do not forget your servant, but give her a son and I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life and no razor will be used in his head. Get, get a load of this. He's Hannah. She says, God, remember me. And guess what? God acts on her behalf and you get one of the most amazing prophets that were in the Old Testament was Samuel and uh, man the guy the guy is an absolute legend and, and guess what happens it comes out because one woman comes to God and says remember me act on my behalf not according to what I can bring to the table but according to what you bring to the table see every one of them hey it gets even better you look at David Psalm 106 verses 1 to 4 he says praise the Lord give thanks to the Lord for he is good his love endures forever who can proclaim the mighty acts of God or fully declare his praise? Blessed are those who act justly, who always do what's right. And then he says this, he, he gives you the key. Remember me, Lord, when you show favor to your people. Come in and aid when you save them. He says, remember me, God act on my behalf. What made David great? was God remembered him. God acted on his behalf. Hey, it gets even better. You look at Jeremiah. Jeremiah does the same thing. And he says in verse 15 to 16. Now, Jeremiah, as we were talking about, some of the writers say that he actually wrote the book of Lamentation. Jeremiah was written when he was in captivity. He says this, Jeremiah 15, verses 15 to 16 says this. Lord, you understand. Remember me and care for me. Wow, think of this chicken. This is his prayer. Lord, you understand. He's not saying, God, I understand my problems. He says, oh, Lord, you understand. Remember me and care for me. You are long-suffering. Do not take me away. Think of how I suffer your reproach for my sake. When your words came, I ate them. And they were a joy and a delight to my heart. I bear your name, Lord God Almighty. He says this, Jeremiah, if you read Jeremiah, he was a lamenting. He was saying, he was the one that, Jeremiah was the one that said this, Lord, I have wounds that are unhealable. I have things that are unforgivable. How long? I can't keep wasting away. And God hears him. God redeems him. So here again, all Jeremiah did for his redemption God, remember me. God, remember me. Now, we're coming. To, this is the really good part. This is the amazing part. You get the thief in the cross. In Luke 23, verses 38 to 42, you've got these two criminals. One is hurling insults at Jesus. Look, uh, verse 39. And one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. So here you've got one person that is hurling insults and said, come on, save me. Come on, who, who do you think you are? Come on, come on, come on. I, I understand this. 
You don't get God to respond by hurling insults at him. You, you don't get into, he's, he's going, God, I don't want you. God, I don't want you. He's the one person that says, God, I don't want to have anything to do with you. But in verse 40, he says this. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? You know what he was saying is this? Is that, hey, we're punished like him. He goes, we're being punished because we are criminals. He says in verse 41, we are punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. I want you to get this. Here we got something amazing. Here's this guy. He's hanging on a cross. He goes, I deserve this. I have no merit points to get out of this situation. What is happening to me? Are the wages of all of my actions, of all of my beliefs, this is it. I am dry. I have nothing and I am now in a situation where I can't do anything. Now, we've got to watch this carefully. That he's there because everything is done wrong and he's just about to die. So he hasn't even got any time to make it right. So we put yourself in this situation. See. Some of us can go, I've done something wrong. Okay, I've got so much time left over. I can somehow recoup my bad past. Somehow, if I work hard enough, if I get into the right organization, if I get around right people, maybe I can outdo my negatives. If I have 10 negatives, maybe I could do 11 positives. I can tip the scale a little bit. But here he is, he says, I am in a situation where I deserve this. I have not an opportunity to correct it myself. But look at this in verse 42. Then he said, Jesus, you've got to see the language here. Remember me. He doesn't say, Jesus, uh, please, um, if you can find it in your heart, uh, Jesus, how can I get out of this? He comes up and he uses this word. God, act on my behalf. Come on, let's take this to another level. God, Die for my sin. God, be punished for my wrongdoing. God, everything I deserve, act on my behalf. What this thief, this is one of the most brilliant theologians that you, you'll ever come across. He comes up to God and he understands, he starts to use this covenant language. And he says, God, act on my behalf. Remember me means to act. He was saying, God, here am I. And you know what was happening? He looked in the eyes of Jesus, the eyes of compassion. And he heard the voice of compassion. He said, yeah, I'll remember you. So what was happening is that Jesus looked at him and he says, I am dying for you. I'm going to be punished for you. And guess what happened? He says, the Bible says today. He didn't say, it wasn't a futuristic thing. He goes, today you will be with me in paradise. Check this out. All he did was he accepted that God was going to act on him. Today, let's take some of the pressures off. Let's start, remember me, God act, God act. Now we're going to come to some part of our declaration. Last week, I mentioned to you to get out every single prophetic word that you have had. That you said, I, I, all, all during the week, I've been doing this. I'm just going, God, remember me. God, remember me. So this is what I really felt the Holy Spirit drop into my heart for us as a church. 
for you, for your family, your extended family, for your business, for yourself, for your wife, for your husband, for your children. This week, if you haven't, if you got it right now, we're going to do it right now. But I am, I want every life group, next time you meet on Zoom, that you start talking about the promises of God and then start to pray this amazing prayer. We're going to, this thief has taught us the most quickest way that we can move in faith and we hope. So he starts to speak, starts to speak, starts to speak. So this week, even right now, Start to remember every promise that God gave you. Every promise. I will live and not die and declare the voices of God. In Psalm 66, my paths will, draw, will drip with abundance from God. The, the, the words God gave you a promise, you are the head and you are not the tail. You are, not, you are the best, you are not the least. You are not sick, but you are healthy. So what we want to do right now, let's start to declare, God, remember me. Get up in the morning, God, remember me. The first thing I did this morning was to get up, go downstairs. I opened up my Bible. Bible and I prayed this prayer. God, remember me. When I start thinking about the church, of um, Faith Life Church, I'm going through every prophecy. And you know what I'm doing now? Every time that God declared something, I go, God, remember. God, remember this. God, remember this. You said that FLC, Faith Life Church, is going to be a global hope dispenser. God, remember this. God, you are going to put us into schools. God, you are, you are going to plant churches. God, remember this. Remember this. Remember this. You know what you're doing? Every time you take the word of God, you're not saying, God, did you forget? God, act this for me. God, do this for me. God, do this for me. So you take your word of God out. You take every promise out and you start to pray. God, Remember this. God, remember you said. God, remember that on the cross you died for my sins, so I'm free. God, remember that I am sick. God, remember, 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 remember. So what you're saying is remember. You're saying, God, I want you to act. God, remember my wife. I want you to act with your loving kindness. God, remember my children. I want you to act. God, remember my finance. God, I want you to act in my finance. God, remember me in my health. I want you to heal me. So what you are doing is you are coming into agreement with the hope of God inside of you and it's coming out of you. So you start to come in agreement. God, remember me. There was in Rachel, God, remember me. And she had a baby. There was Hannah, remember me, I had a baby. There was Job in the middle of, see, Job lost everything. What does he do? God, remember me. Jeremiah, I'm sitting in absolute isolation from any goodness. But then I remember and I start to declare, God, remember me. God, remember me. God, remember me. God, remember that I I'm a giver. God, remember that I am faithful. God, remember your word to supply. God, remember, remember, remember. So let's as a church start a brand new revolution this morning. And we're going to start to get up every morning. God, remember. God, remember. So this is what my life has been since I learned this. Every day I've gone, God, remember. Every promise, God, remember. I'm going through my Bible. God, you said this. God, remember. When God gave me Psalm 66, I think it's verse 11. And it says, your path will drip with abundance. God, remember. Every prophetic word, God, remember. When, I, you know, when my, I'm starting to feel confused, the Bible, the Bible says, I have the mind of Christ. God, remember. So what you're doing is this. The word remember is that God acts. God acts. Now, the reason you can be confident is because God's not acting on your past. Every one of these people that we have read this morning, 
didn't talk about their past because God acts on the hope that he gives, not upon what you've done. I want you to just clarify that in your spirit, that God gives you the hope that gives you the faith so that he can remember and act on it. So God, you don't come to him with your married points. So right now, I want you to, I want you to leave all your merit-based stuff, your merit-based worship, and give it to God. So come on, let's pray. Father, right now, we come to you. And Father, right now, we're bold. Father, right now we are confident. Father, right now the Holy Spirit is burning within our spirit. The Holy Spirit is burning within my mind. The Holy Spirit's burning in my hands. Father, I can, I, it is it's just absolutely, absolutely phenomenal, Papa. And, and so, Father, right now we come to you. God, remember. Father, remember every father today. Father, remember. Father, I'm calling on you. Father, on the behalf of every single dad. Father, remember the tears that they've shed over their family. Father, Father, remember the sacrifices that they made. Father, remember that all the things that they promised. Father, I ask that you remember, that you remember, that you act. Father, I pray for every individual right now that you remember, that you remember, that you remember. Father, for every person that is demonically oppressed, every person that is depressed, every person that is struggling the darkness of this time. Father, remember, remember, act on their behalf, act on that. Father, in the name of Jesus, Father, I just pray that we are going to be a church that isn't silent. We are going to be a person that isn't silent. We're going to be a marriage that isn't silent. We're going to be a business that isn't silent. But Father God, we are going to remember that you act. We remember that you act. And Father, when I remember, I act. So therefore, right now, Father, together as a church, as individuals, we come to you and God, God, we remember that you are good. So therefore, your goodness is released in my heart. God, I remember that you died on the cross for my sins. My sins are now gone. I remember that you were punished and you bled so that I could be physically healed. And so, Father, because I remember, I lose the healing inside. So, Father, I just pray that in the name of Jesus, that we invoke, that we declare, remember, remember, God, remember me. God, remember me. Father, I just pray this, that this revelation doesn't sit in the bookshelf or doesn't remain in the computer. It doesn't remain in a file, but comes down on the inside. And Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, let the faith and the hope and the love of God be infused in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Church. Next time you come together, I want you to start to remember. Remember the goodness of God. Ask God to act on your behalf. This thief, all he did to get his breakthrough, remember me. Tomorrow morning, I want you to do this. God, remember me. Remember me. Hey, God bless you, fathers. Have a really, really great day. Hey, and I look forward to seeing you and being with you next week. Hey, God bless you.